The following podcast is a discussion between two experts in their fields of beauty and not meant to be taken as medical advice. Be sure to consult with your doctor if you have any medical inquiries. Hi, this is Dr. Neil Shaw, and you're listening to Masters of Beauty. So I'm really excited about this next podcast that I did with uh, Dr. Daniel Inesco, and he's an amazing dentist who deals with uh, cosmetic full mouth reconstructive practice here in downtown Chicago, actually in Water Tower. He's actually my work neighbor. And he's definitely one of the best dentists uh, in Chicago and super knowledgeable about the latest and greatest things to not only uh, make your teeth whiter, but also to reconstruct your mouth and make them look the best that they can um, if that's um, something you would need. There's a lot of important things that you know we associate with health. Healthy skin oftentimes is an underlying indicator of what your overall health is. Um, your body won't make healthy skin unless you're healthy on the inside. And it's kind of like that with teeth. If you have yellow teeth, decayed gums, um, that can create inflammation, which can cause major problems with your life, actually can decrease your life expectancy. Clean white teeth is something that a lot of us uh, think it's easy and take for granted, but there's a lot of techniques that have to go into there. Aside from just whitening your teeth, um, sometimes straightening your teeth, aligning your teeth, and teeth in general, uh, they're a good sign of someone's health. So join me today. Lots of interesting things we get to talk about. Like always, check out the show notes for all the details of things we talked about. We have an awesome podcast for us today. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, beauty and beauty from kind of a dental perspective. Um, I'm pleased to be joined by uh, not just any guest, but an expert in all things uh, dental and oral aesthetics. Um, he actually is a kind of a, uh, a neighbor of sorts uh, down the hallway. Well, I'm in the Water Tower building, and uh, um, down, which is downtown Chicago. And uh, basically, we're about, what, 20 feet apart, 30, 40 feet yeah. apart? Right next door. Um, however, uh, due to COVID, we are speaking from our respective offices, so you could be all the way in uh, the other side of the world. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, no idea. I see a rainbow, but I assume that's not a window; that's a picture. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. A little picture of Chicago. And um, so, uh, so this is Dr. Daniel Inesco, and uh, he graduated from the University of Detroit in 1999, pursued a general practice residency at Loyola uh, in. Uh, oral and dental health in Chicago. Um, and his desire was to deepen his understanding for biomechanics of the jaw um, related to TMJ and bite related issues. So further training you did uh, at the Hornbrook Center for Dentistry, uh, the Coy mm -hmm. Center and the Las Vegas Institute for Neuromuscular Dentistry, uh, Bioresearch Associates, and he uses a lot of CAD and CAM technology using CEREC and Invisalign. Um, which uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Invisalign is uh, probably one of the leading ways of uh, reshaping uh, teeth. Um, and every year he spends more than 100 hours uh, staying current with the con continued education with the ever-changing dental industry. Um, I know him because um, I've seen some of his uh, amazing work, not just with patients I've sent over, but some of my staff actually uh, goes over there as well. And it is the, um, probably in Chicago, I know it is the highest end uh, and best cosmetic full mouth re reconstructive practice in Chicago. Uh, he's got a fully digital workflow, and 
I'm really, really excited to kind of pick his mind about all things uh, oral beauty, mouth beauty, smile beauty. Um, and so we're going to kind of hit a couple topics over here. Um, and so, uh, and we'll just kind of buy back and forth. So first question we have for you is, you know, there's general dentists and cosmetic dentists. What's kind of the main difference between the two of them? Well, Dr. Shah, I think the most important thing, and as you know, it's, it's postgraduate training. Um, so, you know, after dental school, you, you know enough to be dangerous, but it's not until you actually go and you further your education by taking postgraduate courses and then you kind of dive into those kind of the deeper understanding of, you know, understanding the bite, um, understanding how to prepare a tooth for a veneer, um, and just all the postgraduate training that comes with that. So there's a lot of dentists that, you know, they, everyone that places a white filling says they're a cosmetic dentist. So when we got away from amalgam and then everyone's placing white fillings, they're like, oh, I'm a cosmetic dentist because I place white fillings. Um, and there's no board certification for a cosmetic dentist. So I, I think the most important thing is just doing your research when you do look for um, improving your smile that you do, you know, look for that. You look for someone that has more education in specifically cosmetics. So let's talk about cosmetic dentists because some people might not know the difference between a regular dentist and a cosmetic dentist. So somewhere, what are the things, uh, what, what would a, a patient come say? I'm looking to see a cosmetic dentist. What are some of the main issues that come for a cosmetic dentist as opposed to a uh, general dentist? Well, when you're restoring someone's smile and you're actually placing porcelain or glass on their teeth, the biggest thing is you want that to last. And it's easy to, to prepare a tooth and, and bond a veneer to it. But if you don't understand the bite in the way the teeth come together, most likely that, that porcelain or that glass is gonna shear or break. So um, we're all about longevity. We want things to last. And when you do someone's smile, you're not just doing one teeth, you're doing multiple teeth. So you're doing anywhere from two to 12 or more teeth and function is really important when you're restoring a smile. So um, it's just understanding the kind of the biomechanics on how teeth work. So your porcelain veneers last for 10, 20, 30 years. So veneers are, are one of the big things for cosmetic dentistry. How about uh, someone who comes in and says, I just want my teeth wider. Would they be a good uh, client for, for a cosmetic dentist as opposed yeah. to a general dentist? Absolutely. If someone comes in with nice teeth, we are not pushing veneers. We are doing the most conservative thing. So even just getting someone's gums, like if their gums are red and inflamed, to me, cosmetic dentistry is just getting those gums pink and healthy. Or if their teeth are yellow, just doing some, even if it's crest whitening strips over the counter or in office zoom whitening or custom trays. So we always want to start with the most conservative thing, especially if someone has a good starting place. Okay, so um, let's just dive into a couple of different topics. So maybe we'll start with the um, teeth whitening. Everyone wants white teeth. Myself, I want white teeth and it's always one of the things. So if I go to Amazon and say, hey, let me just buy, you know, some, some random thing on Amazon and, you know, some teeth whitening thing versus, you know, when you go to the, um, a cosmetic dentist and say, hey, let's do um, Zoom whitening. Uh, tell me kind of the main difference uh, between doing the crest whitening strips and the, uh, let's say, zoom whitening. Or... So, great question, actually. So, if 
if you're buying your bleaching supplies off of eBay, I would be a little concerned of where that's coming from. But if you're getting a reputable like Crest whitening strips from like Colgate or Crest, you're really honestly going to end up in the same place as if you came into my office and you got your teeth whitened. If you're if your teeth are clean and you don't have plaque on your teeth and you're you, you just had a cleaning done and you went home and you put a Crest whitening strip on your tooth or teeth and you did that as prescribed for 14 days, you're gonna get pretty bright and white. Um, it wouldn't really be any different than what you would get from our office. Uh, we would we just use a higher concentration that's gonna get you there quicker. That's the main thing because I've done Crest whitening strips and I've done them like maybe like six, seven times and it, maybe it's marginally brighter. How many Zoom treatments do you need to do? Like how many, is there sort of a ratio of Crest whitening strips to Zoom treatments? Um, so if I said, hey, I want to get my teeth as white as, as fast as I can, how many Zoom treatments would I need? And then if I know Crest whitening trips, it might be like 30 days straight or 60 days straight, or I might not right. even know that. And one important thing that differentiates Zoom is before we do a Zoom, we actually polish the teeth with like a pumice material. So it actually opens the porosities of the enamel. Uh, so the, the, the whitening agent can actually penetrate into the tooth better. So if if you do have anything that's like coating like a biofilm that's coating your teeth that crest whitening strip just can't get in there so um to answer your question yeah it's really hard to say the the, the equivalent like 30 home sessions equal two zoom treatments but i think just the zoom treatment with like a pumicing of the teeth beforehand is a big differentiator yeah, I mean, I think to me that might be that that game changer. So you know, when I see patients, um, even my own, uh, um, you know, staff that have gone there um, to your office, um, uh, my teeth are not bright white, so I'm not definitely not that person. Um, that um, it seemed, and your teeth look amazingly pearly white right now. Um, so, so I think that, uh, that there has to. That's the secret sauce. It sounds like it's it's a combination of expertise and opening things up. Um, and so, with one to two Zoom treatments, you could get your most people's teeth um the degree of whiteness they would need yeah it, and then you end up plateauing your, your teeth will only get so white and then you end up plateauing uh, and then you're on maintenance at that point so my recommendation is anytime you have a cleaning right after your cleaning that's the best time to either wear your bleaching trays or get another zoom or just do the crest whitening strips now kind of beyond that is there anything you recommend for people from a lifestyle choice are there things they can do at home are there toothpaste you recommend are there habits you recommend to say, hey, um, if you really want to do this? And then kind of as a follow-up to that is how often should they come back for a Zoom? So let's say you, someone has their teeth whitened, maybe they're trying to maintain it. Should they go back for a Zoom like every year, every two years? I would say every one to two years is a good recall. Um, and then one thing to, pre to kind of prolong that is, is something as simple as drinking through a straw. If you love your if you love your your dark coffee, if you drink your coffee black, if you don't mind drinking through a straw to bypass the teeth, that's gonna prolong the whiteness of your teeth. Um, and same with like if you like tea and you like green tea and you, versus uh, black tea, then maybe stick with green tea. You're not gonna get so much stain or, or discoloration with darker teas. So I, sometimes it's food choices. Just one thing with a straw, sometimes you can get those little. Uh... Uh, bookers <laughs> lines around your mouth. So it's always a double-edged sword, right? Right. Then you need filler or Botox. <laughs> um, okay. So, um, and, and with the teeth whitening, so um, 
sensitivity with teeth whitening. Um, a lot of people complain about uh, sensitivity with teeth whitening with over-the-counter products. Uh, how is that with Zoom? Is that less of an issue, more of an issue, or kind of the same? It's a lesser of an issue because what we're doing, we're putting like a liquid dam or like a liquid barrier over the exposed roots. Because oh. the reason people have sensitivity when that crest whitening strips wraps on like any exposed root surfaces or like exposed dentin, it's almost intolerable. I mean, you can't even keep that on there for more than a few minutes without it hurting. So with Zoom, we're covering all those sensitive areas and just putting a, a higher concentration gel just on the enamel. Um, okay, awesome. Yeah, that's it's probably why uh, I never get past day two or three with Crest White. It's like, it's, it's done, <laughs> it hurts too much. I'm like, okay, I, I, it's not working for me. Okay, um, kind of a step beyond that. Uh, so someone comes in and um, uh, you know, they, they want something uh, you know, with the veneer. Who's your classic veneer patient? Who's the person coming in for veneers? Is it uh, a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old? Is it um, an Instagram star? Is it... Uh... You know, I've got to say it's a lot of baby boomers, okay? People uh, that have their kids are off to college and they've got discretionary income and they want to feel younger, look younger. So I said it's the baby boomers. I would say it's uh, the the 40-year-old single female. Um, it is the, uh, you know, they, they come all, all ages, to be perfectly honest. Um, because sometimes someone could have nice teeth, but they have spacing, and they just don't want to go through Invisalign. Uh, and they could be the 20-year-old something, too. So. Um, but I would say the majority is the baby boomer, like the, the 60 plus. Um, is there an age that's too young, you think, if someone comes in? Like, a, is a teenager too young for a veneer? Is a 20, 21 year old? Is there not really a, it's not really a big Yeah, I, you, I mean, if, if they're 18 or younger, if they, if they have like spacing issues or they, they want to do something cosmetic, we usually just go with composite bonding where we don't remove enamel and we just add to it. Because uh, to do a veneer, typically, um, I mean, there's something called a no prep veneer where you don't have to remove any enamel and you just bond to the enamel. Um, but that's if the teeth are undersized. But if someone has teeth that are flared or too big and you have to remove enamel, if they're under the age of 20, 25, it, I just kind of cringe when I have to remove kind of healthy enamel. Um, so... So, so what's your, what's like your sweet spot? Like for, for example, for me, if someone comes in at, uh, and there's really no age limit, but usually for me, for a facelift, it's gonna be at least 45 years old is typically where we're sort of like, okay, that's where I wanna kind of really, um, you know, if a 25 year old comes and says, I want a neck or facelift, I'm like, you're not gonna get, you need something else. It's not really that, that's the procedure. What's your, kind of your sweet spot for age when someone's coming in, should, should be thinking about veneers. Well, Dr. Shaw, sometimes we, sometimes we do some, even it's just like if someone has peg laterals, like their lateral incisors are just undersized and they're 20, we just do two veneers done, <laughs> completes their smile. But I, I agree with you, like come 40 years old, if the teeth are worn, um, the 40s colored. So, so for most, if you're thinking a full, full mouth of veneers, for, but it depends on the mouth. If someone has horrible teeth, they might be an earlier candidate. It sounds like but if someone had nice teeth when they're 20 and then with time and age, it's just kind of starting to show, 
Um, and what are some of the parameters you can change with veneers? So it sounds like you can, can you make your teeth longer, uh, shorter uh, angle? Like what are some of the things when, you, when you're adjusting veneers? Like what are some of the dimensions people can, they can change? So, so that's the, the nice thing about veneers is you have the option to change shape, color. Uh, you, you can change pretty much everything with, with, with your teeth with veneers. Um, so the sky's the limit. Now, if you're only talking about doing two veneers, then you're kind of limited to the, the adjacent teeth and those teeth have to complement the adjacent teeth. Uh, but if you're doing a full arch, then you literally can change the, the size however you want, the shape however you want, the color however you want, and you're not limited by uh, adjacent teeth. Um, and then uh, how long does it take to do like a full arch? So if someone says, I want to come in, do you have to do temporaries first? Do you have to do like, what's this whole process? So if I said, I want to get my mouth, uh, let's just throw in some veneers. Um, it's obviously there's more thought than that, but uh, um, how long does that whole process take? That's like the number one internet, internet question we get. So it's th typically three appointments. The first appointment is a diagnostic appointment where we do a diagnostic wax up. We sit down with the patient, find out what their chief complaints are. And then we do some cosmetic imaging with a photo. But off of that photo, we can say, okay, we're gonna do eight veneers. And we do that in wax on a 3D model first. So the patient can appreciate what it looks like in their hand. So and then this, yeah, it's really cool to really have like a blueprint before you start. The second appointment is where we numb the patient. Uh, we do any adjustments to the teeth to be able to shrink wrap that, that 3D model onto their teeth uh, to give them like a trial, like a trial smile. Um, and then they live in that for about four weeks. Uh, and then they can uh, assess phonetics, see how their speech is, make sure nothing's changed there. Uh, take some profile pictures, make sure their profile's good, nice lip support. Um, and then we assess the, the shape of the teeth, how it fits into the smile line with their lips. And then we can make any changes at that point. I always tell patients, you're not gonna hurt my feelings if you come back, if there's anything you wanna change, this is the time we make those, those, those changes. And then if they are perfectly happy, then we move forward with the final uh, fabrication of uh, the porcelain veneers. And then that's when we use like a, a dental lab where they make everything out of porcelain. Third appointment is to wiggle off the temporaries and to bond in each individual veneer. And how so long three appointments to do uh, to put all the veneers in? Is that a full day? Is that a... yeah? I'd say maybe ninety minutes. Oh, that's not bad at all. That was, no. no. Um, and and that's truly the um, the artistry, right? Is when you're taking someone's smile, transforming it into a whole other you know level that's you know. Obviously, crest whitening trips can't can only take someone so far, and and um, so you're really building a brand new mouth for them, a new smile. Um, how important for you when you're assessing them is the resting phase versus the smile phase? Do you use a full smile or three quarters? Because there's so many differences in that. What what are you looking at when you're assessing them, giving people guidance? Well, exactly that. Actually, we, we take a complete series of photos. We take a reposed position at a rest. Uh, we have them. Um, say like Emma, 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 and just relax their upper lip. So we want an incisal display of a couple millimeters of tooth, and that kind of varies on age. Um, the younger you are, the more incisal display you're going to have at rest uh, versus someone that's going to be, you know, in their 60s or 70s where they, they show more, more lower teeth. Um, so we take a repose, we take a smile, we take an angled shot, 
from the lateral view. Um, so all those are all those photos are, are crucially important for us and the lab in terms of designing the smile. Now let's talk about that's such an important thing: smile and smile design. Um, a youthful smile versus an older smile, and, and you kind of hinted on that a little bit. So a youthful smile has a little bit more incisor. Uh, uh, kind of a, an older smile is going to have a little bit lower teeth. Um, mm -hmm. Do people request to have a more youthful smile, or do you adjust it based on that, or is it kind of more important? Is it not just the teeth? There's other factors at play. Well, I, I would say everyone wants more of a youthful smile, so we always want more incisal display on the upper teeth. But sometimes you just can't help to show those bottom teeth unless I send them to you and then you can do your magic in terms of, you know, the lips and enhancing the lips. But um, we always try to go longer with the incisal edges of the upper teeth just for that incisal display, it's just more youthful. And then we, we consider the face and the, the structure of the face in terms of the design of the teeth. Wow. Um, and to me, it seems like there's so many dimensions to adjust to. I mean, you're looking at, I mean, the, the little I know, I guess not my ear, I know nothing really about, uh, you know, veneers, uh, but the little I know, it seems like there's, there's the over jet and under jet, and there's like the angle exactly. and shaping that. So it seems like it's just a lot of, I mean, you have to not do it just for one tooth. You have to do this in three dimensions with the whole mouth, which is like, um, wow. Um, and it affects lip support too. You know, if, if someone has reclined incisors, they lose that lip support. And that's where maybe Invisalign is a great option because it's not all about veneers. Trust me, if I don't have to do veneers, I would rather do Invisalign to move their own teeth to kind of where they need to be. So if I can procline that tooth to, to add some lip support, uh, that's the, the best case scenario. If the enamel is nice, the color is nice, the shape is nice, uh, so, so when you're doing Invisalign, um, one more topic on veneers is how long do they last? So if, uh, which, which is the question people ask all the time, right? And kind of that, that's why the whole biomechanics I think is so important because as a young dentist, I had fractured veneers and I'm like, what is going on? You know, two, three years, I'm getting this, this crack in this veneer. Why is this happening? And that's why I pursued kind of further education to find that out. And then once I, I wrapped my head around kind of what was going on and what was happening with the, the envelope of function, of function with their lower jaw. Um, and if you can plan that out where you, you consider all those variables, veneers can last for decades. I mean, now that I've been practicing 20 years, I have patients that I've, you know, after my training, I see patients, veneers are in there for 15 years and they look great. Nothing's cracking. Um, things are holding up and, you know, they're happy and we don't have to replace a veneer unless they neglect flossing and they get a cavity around it or they bite into something or they eat something they really shouldn't be eating like ice or, hmm. you know, use their teeth, their teeth as a tool to open up a wrapper <laughs> or something. But yeah, veneers can last 10, 20, 30 years. Do they stay whiter than regular teeth, like with the veneer, or is it sort of they'll, they'll have the same sort of uh, issues that regular teeth have? The, the color stability on a veneer does not change. Uh, the tooth underlying the veneer can change, but the, but the shade of the veneer will not change. That's amazing. Um, mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. And then um, is there any special care besides the uh, mechanical issues? Is there any special uh, toothpaste, special things to avoid, or is it just sort of like 
you just kind of go on living your life. Yep. They're your teeth. Just uh, floss, brush, you know, just don't eat things you shouldn't be eating. Like, you know, don't chomp into a lifesaver or again, use your teeth to, to open up, uh, you name it. A bottle. They're not tools. It's not, it's not for um, <laughs> Exactly. For, for Invisalign, um, let's talk about Invisalign and let's kind of compare Invisalign to some of these uh, DIY orthodontic options that are available. Um, some of those options you'll see like, um, I, I'm not super familiar with them, but I've seen some of the commercials for them, uh, like Smile mm. Direct and, and Candid. Um, what's kind of the main difference if you're going with uh, Invisalign versus one of those uh, do-it-yourself types of options? Well, the most important thing is there's, we take a 3D x-ray to see where the roots are in the bone, uh, which is very important because when you remove teeth, you're moving roots through bone. So we want to make sure there's su sufficient bone around the teeth and there's no periodontal disease, there's no plaque or tartar on the teeth. So um, that, that's really the most important thing. Um, now, if you're doing a single little movement and you have like a little overlapping and you want to try Candid or Smile Drag Club, you know, you can take your chance. But again, going back to the bite issue, if you're doing a lot of movement and that your bite's not, you know, a consideration, you're going to end up with a TMD issue, like a TMJ joint issue, uh, migraines, jaw pain, because the bite is, is critically important in terms of having muscle harmony with chewing and yeah, and I would say for sure, because, you know, uh, way back in the day, I, I used to do, you know, more trauma and mandible fractures. And essentially, it's not the mm. mandible fracture that's the problem. It's the teeth alignment. And I would imagine if someone's trying to align their teeth, which is so complex, it's such, you have all these different dimensions, three dimensions, you're also trying to get the grooves and the facets and everything all kind of aligned. I think that person's going to be asking for trouble. I mean, it's, um, uh, uh, it's, it's hard enough to, um, you know, kind of put a band-aid on yourself but with someone to try to line up the teeth, <laughs> it seems you know kind of borderline uh irresponsible but um it, it, what are your thoughts well and dr shah there's a reason there's a class action lawsuit against uh smile direct club right now too I, i've had a number of patients uh come and the 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 what I understand is patients going into smile direct have to sign a waiver saying that they don't hold smile direct club you know, accountable or responsible. Um, but there still is a class action lawsuit because so many patients that I've even seen that have come in with jaw issues and they're like, my, my bite is off and now they're getting recession and bone loss around the tooth uh, or they've moved the bone outside of the ridge and now there's a huge bony defect. And these, these things are, are, are hard to fix because you either have to go back into ortho or like orthodontics or you're looking at gum grafting and you know, so it's, it's a kind of a big deal I'm actually surprised that they're, they're still around to be perfectly frank um, you, I, we'll see how much longer they're around for but I don't know the do-it-yourself orthodontics I, I don't think is a smart move for 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 patients I really don't yeah I mean crest whitening strips might be the limit most people should do but even then um, you know, if you're me, you're going to have some issues with gums. So I, I can't do that. So I, to me, I think it's, if you're dealing with something as important as your teeth, um, mm -hmm. again, the little I know is, um, you know, when you see people get older, uh, they 
most of the time they're lucky to have teeth. So it's a, it's a really precious resource. And uh, mm -hmm. to try to put that in your own hands, it seems like you're playing with fire. Yeah, I can't agree more. Um, okay, so uh, talking about that, who is your, um, who's the Invisalign candidate versus orthodontics? So someone comes in um, and um, can you do, how much can you do with Invisalign? Um, so Invisalign, I've been an Invisalign provider for 13 years now. And initially, you know, it was kind of limited. It was just more spacing, mild crowding. But Invisalign has uh, advanced a lot in, in the, the type of patents they have on plastics and the elasticity and the smart forces that, that's within this plastic. And one big difference going back to Candid and Smile Dread Club is there's no attachments, which are like little bumps on your teeth, which the, once the aligner's in place, it allows that aligner to kind of grip that tooth in a special way and make a make a specific movement on that tooth. So the, the do, do it yourself um, options don't have that. So now with the attachments on the teeth and the special plastics, there's, I think you can do about 75% of orthodontic cases with Invisalign alone. Now, if you're dealing with a lot of posterior or back teeth crossbites, uh, or you're doing a lot of translation of teeth, meaning that you're like moving bodily the tooth through bone, um, you know, three, four millimeters, you still, there's still a place for, you know, hardware where there's brackets and wires and you just need that constant force on the tooth. Um, but I would say 75% of malocclusions or, or like bad bites or cricket teeth or spacing issues can be dealt with with clear aligners. Oh, wow. And, and so how does it work when you have Invisalign on? Is that something you have to wear all day and all night? And then when do you, when are you done with Invisalign? Is this a, a six month process, a year process, or is it very from patient to patient? So, so it's all case dependent. Uh, if someone has a mild crowding case or a mild spacing case, it could be as short as three to six months. Uh, and, you know, I've had cases that were a year and a half or even up to two years with like open bites where their front teeth don't even touch and you're bringing those teeth together so that they're touching again. Um, but compliance is, is huge with patients. And I stress to patients, like, you have to want Invisalign. You have to come and ask for it uh, because it's a commitment. Um, it's like going to the gym. If you want to transform your body, you, you can't just go when you want. You have to go regularly. You have to wear these things between 20 to 22 hours a day uh, for the whole course of treatment in order to kind of transform your smile, improve your bite, because in order for a tooth to move, you need a constant force. And if they're in and out and in and out too much, the tooth wants to go back where it was because that's where the socket of the tooth was and that ligament, you know, it's pulling the tooth back to where it wants to. So that aligner needs to win that tug of war. It needs to be in there longer, uh, meaning 20 to 22 hours a day uh, for the whole course of treatment. Once you're done with treatment, let's say your treatment's nine months, then, you know, and then we usually have the patients hold there until the bone remodels around that new tooth position. And then you're just wearing retainers. And our motto around here is nighttime for a lifetime. As long as you want your teeth straight, you just have to wear your retainers. Because I would say more than half of our Invisalign cases we do in the office are relapse cases. You know, patients that have had ortho as kids, as teenagers, quit, quit wearing the retainers. Years go by, slowly 
you know, the teeth shift around and now they're self-conscious because, you know, their, their teeth are crooked again. And then we're back to braces or, or clear aligners. So, I mean, to me, that's such a fascinating change. And I talked about the, uh, um, you know, kind of how important that is. Like you can actually shift your bone, your bone around your teeth. I mean, that's just, uh, and you're not having to like take your teeth out. You're not having to like wear the, the uncomfortable to break. I mean, that's just an amazing breakthrough. I mean, it's probably understanding how important that is. Is in, in the 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 guys that invented Invi line technology or Invisalign, they weren't even dentists; they were engineers. So it it, it really blows my mind still that like you can do this with a piece of plastic. You can move roots through bone with a piece of plastic. Um, wow! And how comfortable is it to talk with like Invisalign and, and have it in place? Or is it going to impair your lifestyle? I know that. Uh, uh, Tom Cruise was on a couple of talk shows with him. It seemed like he was doing okay with it when he had him on, but um, is it going to affect someone day to day or is it just one of those things you just kind of forget about once it's in your mouth? I preface it by the first week. It's going to be strange. You're going to fumble a little bit on, on certain words. And, um, but after a week, the, the, the lips and the tongue, they, they adapt. They kind of get used to that you know, millimeter thickness of plastic on the teeth. And uh, you power through that first week after that, you're, you're talking normal. And then how yeah. often do you have to adjust the plastic in there? Is that something once you put it in, you're there and you're set? Or do you have to kind of keep adjusting that as you kind of go along? So once a week, you, you get a new aligner. So uh, and we give all the aligners kind of upfront. So let's say if your treatment is 12 weeks, you get 12 aligners. Each week you change out your aligner. And each aligner slowly puts different pressures on, on the teeth and kind of ends up in that end point. The end point. Cool. Um, well, let's talk about uh, um, gums. You mentioned gums earlier. I'm not sure if that's, we have time to talk about that, but um, what kind of gum issues do you see from a, an aesthetic standpoint? And, and, and how do you handle these issues when they come in? Well, for, from like a medical perspective, I, that's like truly the most important thing because there's a oral systemic link there just with inflamed, inflammatory issues, inflammation, bacteria in our mouth. So, um, you know, that's where we always start in our practice is getting the gums healthy. And plus it causes halitosis too. I mean, if you're, if you have necrosis, if you have, you know, inflammation, you're going to have bad breath. So we get everyone's gums perfectly healthy before we do any type of treatment. Uh, and that just starts with a good assessment of like probing the gum pockets, making sure that that little gum pocket is healthy. Um, and then it could be a, some, something as simple as just a regular cleaning, or it's gonna require some anesthetic in a deeper cleaning where you go down to the root surface and remove any buildup that's causing kind of a, like a foreign body response. So that hardened plaque or tartar is causing like almost like a, a, a splinter. You know, if you don't remove that splinter, you're going to have that inflammation. So once you remove that splinter or that buildup, the gums just tighten up like a cuff on the sleeve. You know, it, it prevents food from getting underneath the gum line again. And the gums are pink, they're tight, they're healthy, um, no bleeding, healthy gums should not bleed. Um, and then that's when we kind of take that next step to whitening composite bonding, Invisalign, veneers, you know, what? Kind of, that's the, the, the fun stuff. The fun stuff, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, with, with halitosis, um, you know, 
do do those things work like tongue scrapers, proper tongue scrapers, all this? Like, what's your list if someone comes with bad breath and you said I have to transform their breath, not just their mouth? Um, what would be your kind of your uh, your tips? Gosh, I am so glad you brought up the tongue scraper. It is like the the underutilized tool that we we talk about it with every patient. And patients are like, no, I've never heard of that. Show it to me. The tongue harbors so much plaque and bacteria. Um, and it really is the number one cause for morning breath. If you would just use a tongue scraper and just before you brush your teeth and just do one swipe forward and see what comes off your tongue, mm-hmm. you will be a tongue scraper for life. It is a game changer for, for people that have bad breath or people that just want to maintain low plaque levels in their mouth. Um, is there so, a recommended brand for tongue scraper? Is there a type you, you like to use? Um, what's your what's your favorite one? You know, uh, Philips, uh, the, the the brand Philips that makes Sonicare makes like a plastic uh, blade that's cheap. It's reusable. You can use it for months. Um, I, I'm kind of biased towards that. That's what we use in our office. But there's like little like handheld spoon. They're like plastic spoons that you scrape. I mean, there's so many different kinds on the market. Uh, but whatever works and you're compliant with, as long as it's not gagging you, because that's the biggest complaint is, oh, it makes me gag. If I, if they say that, then I'm like, well, don't go so far back, start, you know, on the tip and kind of work your way and go a little bit further back each time until, you know, you can get to, you know, the furthest back you can without gagging. Uh, aside from the tongue, what about people, the, the mouth, do people, should people ever do anything to the mouth and brush their mouth, you know, not the teeth, but the mouth? Or is that something that's a little overkill? Um, I think that's probably a little overkill. I think that's where maybe a mouth rinse comes into play. Uh, plaque doesn't really like attach itself to the mucosa as much as it does to like the like the sulcus or like the gum line or the teeth. Biofilm typically tends to hang out where the white part meets the pink part, kind of like in that junction. Um, and. Uh... For those people who are like those heavy tartar buildup people, is there any tips you have for them? Sonicare. Sonicare. You probably have, yeah, Sonicare. And and some people they brush like I'm like they brush every day, twice a day, two full minutes, and they're still getting buildup. They just have a higher mineral saliva, you know, and, and they're just kind of behind the eight ball there. So they just have to literally use an electric toothbrush and literally go for the two full minutes. You know, don't stop till that brush turns itself off. Uh, twice a day minimum. Uh, I'm a, we're huge fans of water picks. Hmm. So um, water picks are really great, especially if you have like bridges, implants, because that water pick is going to get in with that water pressure, that floss in a brush just can't get. Yeah, it's a great tip. Um, and then uh, we talked about that. How about there's a controversy? Some people are against fluoride. Um, that's been like a recent thing. I'm hearing more and more people about that. Uh, what's the controversy? What are your thoughts about that? So this is kind yeah. of a touchy area, but I, I would say fluoride is great for teeth. I, I mean, if you if it's used topically and you're not swallowing it. Now, the whole controversy is especially in women because fluoride competes with iodine in the thyroid. So women are more prone to thyroid issues and thyroid is a very important endocrine gland. So I, I get it. I understand why there, there's concern about fluoride, so especially in young kids. You don't want them swallowing it because kids, you know, toothpaste tastes so good. They just want to swallow it. But if you can just topically use it and spit it out and not swallow it, 
it's going to prevent cavities. And, you know, your mouth is the first step of digestion. So it's not just about smiling. You need your teeth for a lifetime. So it's a balancing act between being cavity free, preserving your God given teeth, you know, and, you know, protecting your thyroid and protecting your bones from, from fluoride. So you just have to be responsible with fluoride. Yeah, you know, I've tried some natural toothpaste, but they don't seem to make my mouth as fresh. I've tried some with uh, coconut. I've tried some with other things in it. And after I'm done, I'm like, something does not go right. So I have to go back to my, my fluoride toothpaste and, and, get, and mm -hmm. for baking soda. Um, um, yeah. Baking soda is great, by the way. And, and, and oil pulling with coconut oil is also really great too. Um, how often do you see people, coconut, do, you, do you do that? And how often should you do that? I have done it. I've done it for, you know, weeks at a time, but I just, you know, life gets in the way and you get to get too busy. But if you can do the 15 minute uh, coconut oil pulling, like while you're in the shower um, and just lightly kind of swish it around your mouth, you don't have to do it like you're doing scope or Listerine, but just keep it in your mouth and kind of pull it between your teeth. If you could hang, if you could hang in there for 15 minutes and do that, uh, I've seen people really control their gum disease with coconut oil. Really? How yeah. much do you put in your mouth? Is it a little bit or just a... just just a little teaspoon? A little bit goes a long way there. Cool. All right. Um, okay. So uh, great information today. Awesome. Um, if people want to um, to reach out to you, what's the best way they can they can find you and reach out to you? You know, uh, Water Tower Dental Care. Um, would be the best way. Um, is, that, is that your website, watertowerdentalcare.com? Exactly. That's the name of our office and our website. Um, so if you just put Water Tower Dental Care, uh, Daniel Onesco, which I have kind of a hard name to last name to spell. So I, I always go by the practice name, uh, would be our best place. And we're on Facebook, Instagram. I'll do um, the same name. Yep, Water Tower Dental Care. Cool, cool. Um, and um, uh, kind of as a final thought, um, is there kind of a dental hack or home remedy we can kind of leave our listeners with for, you know, anything related to smile or um, teeth or just in general? You know, Dr. Shah, I think you nailed it with the baking soda. I've got to say baking soda does an amazing job like removing stain and whitening your teeth. And something as simple as just even swishing with hydrogen peroxide, which we all have in our house. Literally, if you do that consistently for two weeks, you'll see your teeth whiten because all the active ingredient is in crest whitening strips. And you know what we use in office is just basically hydrogen peroxide or carbamide peroxide. And you know those two, which are inexpensive, you can do at home. And just honestly, flossing and brushing, especially now with COVID, it's all about home care. Just spend the extra time and it's going to keep you out of trouble, dentally speaking. Wow. Well, just talking to you makes me want to get something done to my teeth right now. So <laughs> I, I'm going to sign off like this. Um, you know, Dr. Inesco, this is awesome talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for all these <laughs> tips. And I know I've learned a ton just talking to you. You're the best. Thank you. I really appreciate this time with you. Cool. Thank you so much for joining. Okay. Peace. Bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of Masters of Beauty. If you like this episode and don't want to miss out on the next, be sure to subscribe right here where you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you really want to help the show out, leave us a five-star review and a comment or possible topics that you would love to hear Dr. Shaw discuss. We love hearing from you. 
To find out the latest updates from Dr. Shaw and Shaw Aesthetics, you can follow us on Instagram at Shaw Aesthetics and on YouTube at youtube.com slash Anil R. Shaw. You can find these links and any other links mentioned by Dr. Shaw and his guests during this episode in the show notes. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Masters of Beauty. Thank you.